Welcome, everybody, to another episode of our Puget Systems Podcast live Q&A show. Uh, this week, we're joined by most of our labs team. Kelly's missing. Uh, I think he just had to run off for something real quick. He'll be back. Uh, but otherwise, we have everybody else. We got Matt and William and Dr. Don Kinghorn uh, to talk about the uh, new Rocket Lake uh, 11th Gen Intel CPU launch. Uh, that just This one was another weird one, wasn't it? Because like everybody knew... It was a thing, but nobody could talk about it until the thirtieth. And it was it it was it was launched on like early March, and we could do pre-sales, uh, and we could talk about Intel performance. But it wasn't fully launched until the thirtieth. Except a lot of reviewers were able to buy it early, so there's a bunch of reviews that weren't technically breaking NDA because they had purchased it from retail, like on like mid March. It it was messy. That's weird. <laughs> and now. It looks like now. Has anybody seen Kelly and Doctor Don in the same room at the same time? It seems. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> oh, there we go. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of a weird one, but uh, it's going to be really cool. Um, kind of a mixed bag, um, but uh, we'll get into that. That's the point of today's show. So, as, as always, audience, you're welcome to ask any questions and things as well. But otherwise, we're just going to be going over um, our testing results. Um, yeah, I think that's the long and the short of it. William, um, I will start with you. Kind of give us a background of what's changed from uh, the 10th generation to this one. Yeah. Like, so this was Intel's 11th gen core processors. Um, the big thing is a new architecture or an updated architecture that's actually based on some of their recent mobile designs. But whereas the mobile chips are a smaller manufacturing process, this is still on Intel's 14 nanometer process, like the last few generations. Um, so the big thing they were able to improve is performance per clock. And Intel's claim was, I think, around 19% improved performance per clock, um, something along those lines. And so that should translate into substantial single-threaded performance improvements, which has really always been a strength of Intel's. It was only the very last generation that AMD caught up to single-threaded performance with their Ryzen chips. So that should be strong. But the trade-off in order to be able to go to this newer uh, architecture on the old manufacturing process was that they could only go up to eight cores hmm. due to heat and power and stuff like that. So whereas the last generation of core processors topped out at 10 cores, mm -hmm. this one topped out at eight. And you end up in this really weird situation where both the core i7 in this generation, uh, and there's a few models, but we mostly focus on the top end. So in this case, the 11700K mm -hmm. uh, is actually almost identical to the core i9 11900K, just a little bit of a clock speed difference. And the, the 11900 is also supposed to support a newer, fancier boost feature that wasn't fully implemented by the time it launched. So, yeah, the weird thing is, like, performance between those two CPUs, whereas last generation it was substantial because there was 25% more cores in the top-end SKU, yeah. is now really only a couple percent apart. And I think that's probably one of the biggest things that's been... Uh, attacked in a lot of the other reviews out there is just the the lack of differentiation for that top end skew and, and lack of an improvement there yeah. um but uh, and then of course launching alongside this intel's got an updated chipset z590 and that in combination with these new processors also brings pci express gen 4 the processors support that this new chipset and some 
older chipsets, I think. The 490, some boards were supposed to be able to support Gen 4 with these new processors. I don't think that's a universal thing, though. That's uh, that's right. one of the new things on Z590. And also, I believe Thunderbolt 4 is now a thing. So <laughs> go figure for those using that. Um, and so that's... Uh, that's kind of where we're at. PCI Express Gen 4, of course, brings like faster support for uh, M.2 drives. There's been for a while now high-speed M.2 drives that can use that. Uh, video cards supported also in NVIDIA's latest generation, but I don't think we've seen any tangible benefits from that in any of the stuff we've tested that I know of. So, yeah, that's kind of where we are. Um, nice. And of course, the other guys will be able to talk more about actual application performance. Yeah, you know, a lot of it kind of feels like uh, what did what did AMD do with the the three thousand series Ryzen? They went from like the thirty nine hundred X to thirty nine hundred XT. It feels kind of like that to me, except that there's also a new chipset. But like performance wise and stuff, a lot of it kind of feels like yeah, it's a little bump. Like it's really like tenth gen version two rather than eleventh gen. Yeah. It's kind of how it feels to me. More about getting like PCI Gen four and stuff finally yeah. up and running and that yeah. than the CPUs themselves. Yeah, it feels definitely like a transitional uh, processor to me. And, you know, it, it moved the core architecture kind of really away from core I. You know, mm -hmm. it's quite a bit different, you know, because the AVX 512 and, and uh, a lot of new features that are only on the Xeon site, mm -hmm. uh, the DL Boost, the uh, uh, B-Float 16 and, and stuff like that. Um, so it's kind of weird. And I was expecting it to act more like that. Um, <laughs> and it does to some extent, but um, the, the uh, yeah, it, it feels very transitory. Yeah. Very transitory. And I think it's this is like a, a more of a desktop iteration of that recent um, laptop, the mobile CPU, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I get I think that that mobile core had the same features in it as, the, as Did, this one. So kind of weird. Don, do you want to just talk about your results like straight up since you kind of got into this? Because like the AVX 512, yeah. that, that's another thing that they added in. It's like having AVX 512 is unique on right. this like consumer platform. I, yeah, I can dive in if you want. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, Go for it. You already. It, it feels like it, you already did your intro. <laughs> well, well, yeah, I, I, I kind of did. I mean, yeah, go for it. The, the thing is very puzzling, you know, and it, it's a, uh, yeah, it was. It's a. It's a strange processor. It's not. It's not really what I expected, and uh, I. I have a feeling that it. This is. You know, we've uh, Intel's making all these these. This is just kind of general here, but they're you know they're making architecture changes going forward. You know, they're they're looking at like big little cores and stuff like that, right? Mm -hmm. um, I have a, it, this feels more like they're trying to add features into the CPU that they can leverage to compete with some of the things that like uh, Apple added with the M1. Mm. You know, because that that's a system on chip, and they actually have extra chips in there for, you know, for, for doing these special things for computing, for AI stuff and, hmm. and a bunch of things, a bunch of kind of weird design in there. If by Intel, by bringing, especially AVX 512, cause they can use that for a lot of subtle stuff under the hood. So by bringing that into the mainstream processor, they can kind of do some of that stuff that would maybe require a specialized chip 
they can do that directly. Hmm. You know, and you couple that together with the the Z uh, CP uh, GPU. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of opens things up for them. That's why it feels very transitory to me. I think they're going to do something more with this down the road, uh, this general architecture. Hmm. But but yeah, uh, Houston, if if can you if you uh, toss up my blog post, I can I can talk about it real quick. Yeah, I, I can bring it up. Yeah, I'll, I'll yeah, also, uh, yeah I'll, thank you. I'll share it in the private chat because Susan might want to share this in some of the others. Um, the uh, Rocket Lake team actually did an AMA on Reddit a few days ago that if anyone's like really interested in like some of the whys behind they made, like why are they still on 14 nanometer and stuff? I believe they answered some of those questions in that AMA. Okay. So um, if you want to okay. kind of dive into some of that stuff, that's beyond like kind of like what we know the whys, but the AMA yeah. might answer some questions. Yeah, I'll, um, yeah, I, I, you know, my biggest curiosity here was, okay, is this going to be, is this like a, um, Kind of a kind of a replacement for, um, you know, like Core X, because mm-hmm. it looks more like Core X or you know or the Xeon stuff than it does, you know, Core i nine whatever. Um, but this, you know, the HP, HPL uh, Linpack, you know, that's the classic supercomputer benchmark, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is really testing kind of stuff under the hood for the uh, the the highly tuned uh, MKL uh, BLAST library, the numerical computing library under the hood. And um, I, you know, on my results here, and apologies to uh, AMD, I use for like their their kind of lowest processor right now, but it's, it's because I have one sitting next to me here. Mm. I bought this for my own dev work, and it's like, okay, let me do run this stuff simultaneously, you know, new, because a lot of the software is new, and a lot of these results are old results. Uh, okay, so okay. Mm, caveat there. Uh, but anyway, the um, uh, I did I did the 11900KF, and it's the the second from the bottom green bar there. Yeah, mm-hmm. thank you for That's that, <laughs> yeah, it looks like it does and, pretty well against the Ryzen, though. Uh, it's it's not bad. It's not bad. But but re- remember, I uh, Ryzen is AVX two, mm-hmm. and 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 that's also an old result on the Ryzen. I I think I could would do better on that if it was repeated. Um, newer newer code and stuff. What's that? A newer code or or libraries? Yeah, or something? yeah, yeah. Newer libraries. Um, uh, AMD just like a week ago updated their compilers and their uh, 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 their Bliss library, which is their Blast library. All that stuff they updated that just very very recently, so it now actually supports Zen three. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, yeah. I haven't had much luck with the compiler yet. I did some stuff in the in these benchmarks, but uh, but anyway, I expected this. This uh, this i9, this new the Rocket Lake, I expected it to be up more um, like around the uh, i7 9800X. Hmm. Yeah, up in that somewhere in here. This this range. Yeah, yeah, that's I given the AVX five twelve and the eight cores and all of the features and the clocks, especially the the nice clocks, right? I really expected this benchmark to be up there. So this was like. Whoa! Why is this so bad? That was my first, you know, my first response. Those CPUs up there, though, have quad-channel memory, don't they? They do. Yeah, and yeah. that's a that's really a good point, uh, William, because 
Um, at, at first, I thought that Rocket Lake was quad channel too, but it's not. It's dual channel, and that can make a oh. difference. It shouldn't really matter on this benchmark. Hmm. Okay, but maybe it maybe it does. You know, I, at this point, this one's kind of a mystery to me because I really thought it would do better. Um, but hitting that directly, the uh, HPCG, this uh, uh, high performance conjugate gradients, this is memory bound. This is uh, people hit stuff like this when they're solving big systems of differential equations. Um, you know, uh, and th this is the second more recent introduced supercomputing benchmark. They wanted a benchmark that was more like real world because a lot of stuff, you know, is not that optimal and it suffers because of memory performance. Um, and uh, there's, yeah, there's a couple of interesting things about this result. The, um, Again, the uh, uh, 11900KF is the second one from the bottom there. And that's actually not too bad for a CPU benchmark. Um, and uh, this is a funny one, because you usually get peak performance before you've used all of the cores. So that's what the little number in parentheses in. Uh, this one hit peak performance when it hit uh, at six cores. So it's actually utilizing things pretty well. And this benchmark should be very, very limited by the memory channels. Okay, and it did better probably than I expected. <laughs> so it's a little, so funny, funny there too. And I'll, I'll also, I want to make a note about the uh, the 5800X, the, the Ryzen. Mm -hmm. uh, that's on slower memory because it's what I had. This is my personal system. It's mm -hmm. on uh, DDR uh, 2666 and this and the the Rocket Lake is on 3200. Okay, so if, that, if and that's a big disadvantage for AMD on there. Again, apologies to AMD. If I may uh, interject, what what exactly is the HPCG benchmark testing? It, it's uh, high performance conjugate gradients. It's mm -hmm. a uh, solving. Um, it, it's a, a sparse multi grid solver. Okay. <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah, of course. Well, uh, uh, to is, clarify, uh, a gentleman on YouTube was asking if, uh, before we talk about any benchmarks, could we please explain what we're testing in the CPU benchmarks? Because we're not really sure what they are. Yeah. I knew these ones were going to be a little weird and complicated because it's like high-level math stuff. This, I, I'm the HPC scientific computing guy. Okay? <laughs> Everything I do is weird. Um, the, uh, but yeah, this one is it's very sensitive to being memory-bound. And, and a lot of scientific simulations um, where you're essentially solving these uh, uh, differential equations over grids, they can be they're notoriously memory bound okay. and that's very often the the limiting performance that's why like uh the epic the dual socket epic up there on the top that's that's two eight channel chips okay so that thing just slams through this it's really impressive um but anyway so that i did yeah so that's kind of what's going on this one was probably better. The other thing that's interesting here is that uh, this time on this benchmark, uh, I compiled this with AMD's new compiler for the for the the Ryzen, mm -hmm. and uh, I got worse results than using Intel's tuned, optimized HPCG benchmark. It actually did it did twice as good. Huh. 
as, as, as like, oh, okay, that, that's really cool. Um, Intel is being more generous with uh, optimizations for AMD these days. So that's, you know, uh, kudos to Intel for that. Nice. Because, uh, you know, they used to kind of like, you know, cripple stuff down quite a bit, but it's way, doing way better. Yeah. So really, um, it seems like these new 11th gen are just kind of weird for like AI and HPC kind of stuff, which really though, like, are, are these really intended for like, scientific computing like developers right I thought that it might be a really nice kind of eight core as a support for like a like a minimal machine learning workstation hmm. but i'm not so comfortable with it now I, it's not hmm. bad you know but like this together with us well, one gpu not bad and it, it gets you on it on intel platform and there are some advantages to that kind of you know in general um but it's um yeah i but if, if it had performed more like the uh um like core x like kind of like what i expected then yeah i'd probably be making a recommendation for like a, a small system with the gpu <laughs> but at this point i'm not so sure you know that it's really significant yeah um the uh, the other stuff I have here, uh, I have NAMD. That's a uh, that's a, a molecular dynamics uh, application, um, and these are basically uh, uh, APOA one. Uh, it's a, a, a big protein. Uh, STMV is a, a satellite uh, tobacco mosaic virus. It's actually a virus capsid. It's got a million atoms in it. Whoa! Um, and the 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 results are re the numbers that are returned from NAMD are in days per nanosecond. Okay, that's the mm -hmm. days required to compute one nanosecond of this <laughs> dynamic simulation. Whoa. These days, it's a lot better than, than that, so they could probably flip that up, right, and go nanoseconds per day, right? And sometimes I do that. Okay. Uh, but anyway, uh, GPUs blows the stuff out of the water when you add a GPU. So this is only here as a CPU comparative benchmark. Mm. Um, so it's, it's almost like borderline synthetic because you'd never do this. You just use a GPU. You you would I mean, add a synthetic. GPU. Yeah, you need to have... Uh, uh, this is a place where a, half the calcu a big bunch of the calculation requires GPU. Mm -hmm. And then there's some uh, a bunch of forces that get computed on... on uh, on, on, I'm sorry, I, I meant on the CPU, but then there's a bunch of forces that get uh, computed very effectively on the GPU. Hmm. And it just really increases the performance. Um, but uh, it did pretty well on here. Um, for, for a CPU, for an eight-core CPU, the other things on here are like, you know, high-end all the way up to that dual... Um, um, I think I've got the dual epic up there. Yeah, I do have at the top. Yeah, so uh, so it did pretty well on that. And th this is a benchmark that's not so sensitive to a lot of like the special features, like uh, the AVX unit and stuff like that. It's usually uh, cores and cores and clock and stuff like that. Um, so that was interesting. That was not too bad. Uh, but then again, if you're going to run NAMD, uh, my recommendation would be a, like a 32 core. Uh, uh, Threadripper or Threadripper Pro along with a, in, a nice NVIDIA GPU, and it would be like orders of magnitude faster than this. Yeah. Um, 
the last little bit I have on here, and I'll comment on this because there, there may be, uh, if you can kind of zoom in on that, on that first little, uh, you know, just text table there. Um, I, uh, I've, I, uh, a lot of times I test with uh, NumPy and it's just a simple uh, matrix product norm. Um, and uh, the, the thing that's, that's really amusing, kind of interesting here is that um, I used one, eight, one, one MKL, that's uh, Intel's new uh, M MKL uh, blast library from the one API stuff, which is really cool, right? Um, the um, and the the thing to note there is that the one uh, uh, the one MKL the MKL result for both the Rocket Lake and the Ryzen are pretty darn good. In in the in the past, like a year ago, one of my popular poses, I was putting up uh, instructions on how to hack around uh, the poor performance with MKL on NumPy, and NumPy is often linked by default with MKL. So it was a big problem for uh, AMD folks. But this is pretty good. And this is this is thumbs up to Intel for for doing the right thing here and actually giving a decent code path uh, for for AMD on this stuff. So that's really cool. The thing that's that's ironic and really kind of funny to me is that using OpenBloss, now you see for the for the Ryzen, OpenBloss is actually a little bit faster. And and that's this is what I basically would have expected there for uh, this this benchmark um, on on the Ryzen, but it's usually Intel is usually right about the same, but this time Intel took a bad code path. <laughs> so, yeah, I know this is kind of this is kind of uh, it's it's ironic. It, it made me chuckle a little bit when I saw this. Like really, <laughs> but I, so that was that's a weird result. That's a weird result. That that open blast on on that benchmark on the on this Intel processor was not good for whatever reason. But anyway, that's what I got. I, I hope you. I hope. Uh, I hope that was uh, at least entertaining. Uh, but my bottom line on it is, uh, it's an interesting processor. I consider it more transitory, um, and there's nothing wrong with using it. You know. Uh, so if looking for a, a good eight core processor, uh, it's not bad. I would go for something that had a better AVX performance though, and four channel memory. Well, I'll shut it. <laughs> no, thanks, Don. That's, that's good. It's, it is interesting though to see how um, the comment you had made, or, or I kind of skimmed through your article, the comment you made about how it, it seemed to be like a weird crossover with the with the Core X stuff that. Um, which seems to be maybe fading out. It seemed a little, the whole path seems yeah, it, strange it right now. Yeah, um, it is. It is. So, yeah, that, that really A lot kind of... of things changing here. But I kind of I kind of changed my little viewpoint of it a little bit when I thought about it in comparison to Apple. When mm. I thought about the M1 processor, I was going, oh, maybe I kind of get what they're doing here. So I think we're going to see some interesting stuff from Intel uh, with the the, the Z uh, GPU, and then bringing things like uh, AVX and using it in specialized ways. Okay, I think that's kind of where they're headed with this. I haven't. I'm just guessing. That's intuition. All right, Kelly. How about you? Uh, sure. Let me hold on. 
share. Okay. Um, so I do all the 3D rendering, game development stuff, and all my stuff leans heavily on multi-core performance. So not terribly surprised that these didn't have anything special to show off. Um, for V-Ray in CPU mode, because V-Ray also has GPU rendering, mm -hmm. um, so just on the CPU itself, um, they are just, both the 11900 and 11700 just behind uh, the Ryzen uh, 8 core CPU um, by like a couple percent, which is a big jump up from the 10th gen 11, or 10700, but a big fallback from the 10900, which is in third place on that graph. Mm. So that dropped down quite a bit. Um, again, no surprise because it needs cores and you take away cores, it doesn't do as well. Um, the 11600 11, had a really good uptick on this one, but I don't know who would be using a six core CPU to do CPU rendering, but it does better than before. Um, same story with Cinebench. It's also a any 3D renderer wants as many cores as you can throw at it. Yeah. Yeah. So it, takes it, it seems like though, like because the um per core, uh so like the eleven six hundred versus the fifty six hundred X or the eleven seven hundred K versus the fifty eight hundred X, um Intel is a little bit cheaper, right? Like like they they're like fifty bucks less much I mean For, what's fifty bucks? Not not counting the eleven nine hundred, yes. Yeah. No, just ignoring the eleven nine hundred K because it's a dumb processor. Yeah. Um <laughs> But, yeah, but so for those ones, like the i5 and i7 line, like if you're in that range, it, it seems like Intel is about, about the same, maybe a little bit better because mm -hmm. they're slightly cheaper. Yeah. Well, I'm huh. still yet to see what, you know, retail, hap what happens at retail. Yeah, retail. Um, <laughs> like I mean, most people in this range, you know, buying this kind of range for um, Cinebench, V-Ray or whatever, they're not looking for necessarily CPU rendering performance. They're just looking for a cheaper box to do that they're wanting good single core performance for modeling and stuff. And they're going to push it off to a, a different render box somewhere else hmm. um, or cloud rendering or whatever their studio is doing. Um, but they still want to like, if they're going to bake a texture or do some minor rendering, they want to make sure that they're not going <laughs> to be sitting there for an hour. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're good. I mean, they're equivalent to the eight core. The eleven nine hundred really is the only one that's like, this is just a bad choice yeah. because it's basically tied with the eleven seven hundred or the fifty eight hundred, but oh, what one hundred and forty dollars more expensive, something like that. Wow. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So if you're doing three D stuff, don't bother with the eleven nine. But the other ones are still good options. Uh, this is the one chart I have where the 11900 does really good in Cinebench single core, which is basically a synthetic benchmark because no one's rendering on one core. Yeah. Um, but it does show that the per core improvements are pretty drastic because, I mean, the 10900K went from 1300 points to 1672 points. So that's a big jump. Yeah. And then same thing for the 11700, 11600 huge jumps from their previous scores. Um, like again, was what was what William was kind of saying with that, like 19 ish percent. Yeah. Yeah. And there was some question when we we're doing this about what the power limits were going on. And 
Intel has this other, like, another boost level that they've been talking about that the 11900 has that was not active on our test beds. Ah. Um, because that I don't even think is final yet. Or maybe it is. I don't know. It's an additional it's still in beta. Yeah, it's like yeah, an we, additional BIOS update. in beta when we were doing our testing a couple weeks ago. Yeah. So like theoretically, this could go up higher, and which could impact some of these other scores a little bit. I'm still not going to put it to the point where I'm going to recommend. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't recommend the 5800 for a CPU rendering machine, anyways. So I wouldn't recommend these for a CPU rendering machine. Yeah, I don't think the person. other boost is going to affect single-threaded performance. My impression is it just boosts like mid to high core count multi-threaded performance. So okay. like that part might get better, but yeah, yeah. But I'm still the 11900 is basically the same price as the 5900 Ryzen. And yeah, so there's it's, no way it's making that up. <laughs> yeah, it's not making up that that difference. Um, and we go to Unreal Engine and I didn't I didn't bring over all the charts for Unreal because I mean, they all look the same. <laughs> so <laughs> like um, 11900, it takes a, a drop back from the 10900 because multi-core. Um, the 11700 got a boost, like 11600 got a boost, but again, they actually fall further behind Ryzen on these. Um, the Ryzen 5800 core is still, what is that, 15% ahead um, yeah. for the same core count. So it's hard to say anything other than AMD for, for Unreal. Yeah. Um, one thing I will talk about for uh, additional to Unreal is the FPS. Because a lot of people, especially Intel, were talking about this for gaming performance, for you know better FPS and stuff. And in Unreal, I'm not really seeing much of a difference. I mean, there's a slight uptick for the um, 11700 and 11600. Uh, the 10900X is actually quite a bit ahead of the 11900. Um, but again, we're looking at 340 FPS versus 400 FPS. Like, uh, there's no real um, like productivity benefit to that. And this is also only in 1080p with ray tracing turned off, where it's really based on CPU performance. As soon as you put that up to 4K and turn ray tracing on, the chart is just like a flat line. Like it doesn't wow. matter. So, and like if you're trying to run an LED wall with like, you know, 16 million pixels and all this stuff, the CPU you choose really isn't going to help you at all for your FPS. It's just what graphics card you have. A lot of people still think that they want the fastest single core CPU for better frames per second on the LED walls or whatever other scenario they have. But like, really, it doesn't matter once you get up to that level of rendering. It's mm-hmm. all going to be based on your GPU. Yeah. So yeah, that's about it for my stuff. Nothing really exciting. Hmm. Well, we weren't expecting a whole lot for um, for my stuff. It's all about high core count. Yeah. So, so we do have a, a question from uh, Dipan Shu on YouTube. He's asking which CPU is the best in the industry for Unreal. 
Uh, Threadripper. It's just like if you're sitting there compiling shaders all often, building lighting, uh, doing CPU lighting, um, there's a GPU option now, or um, compiling code or any of that kind of stuff, the Threadripper just blows everything out of the water. Um, if you're trying to keep it a little bit more budget oriented, um, any of the higher core count Ryzen's are also a good option. Um, and then just get a better GPU. Um, but yeah, all of the majority of our Unreal systems we sell are Threadripper by quite a wide, quite a margin. Would you say 70 less yesterday, I think. Uh, would you say that um, your budget should probably lean more toward the GPU if you're doing Unreal stuff? Uh, not necessarily. Okay. I, it depends on what you're, stuff, depends on what for, you're trying to do. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Live stuff is going to be heavier on GPU, like Kelly mm-hmm. was saying. And then the compiling and shaders and all that sort of stuff is going to be heavier on the CPU. Yeah. <laughs> like if you're using Unreal to make an iPhone game, you don't need a 3090. Like, sure. You're not going <laughs> to be able to simulate it. Um, but yeah, you might want more CPU cores to just make things faster. Yeah, compiling code in general is is uh, integer operation, mm-hmm. and lots of cores is generally like really great because that stuff is usually big projects go in parallel. Mm-hmm. Oh. So, yeah, that's why I got the fifty nine fifty for my dev box here at home because I needed something that can not take an hour to. <laughs> My yes. previous CPU to compile Unreal Engine was an hour and 25 minutes or something like that. Wow. And this CPU is like 20 minutes, I think. Nice. Jeez. Yeah. That's the... <laughs> Wow. All right, Matt, what have you got for us? Sure. You want to just move over my screen? So, uh, so I do uh, photo and video stuff. So m- most of it's the Adobe suite, but then also DaVinci Resolve uh, kind of falls into there. And DaVinci Resolve is kind of most of the Adobe suite, at least on the video side. It's like Premiere Pro and um, you know After Effects kind of combined. So uh, I'll just start with like the the photo side. Uh, there's a lot of interesting things. So so Photoshop. Try to get this a little bit bigger. Um, it's actually through. <laughs> Ryzen versus the 11th gen, it really comes down to how tight you are on like budget. So um, like the the 11600K is down here. It's a little bit less expensive than the 5600X and it's a little bit slower. So like it's it's basically on par. Um, and you could even make that same argument with the, um, the 11700K and the 5800X. Like AMD is always a little bit faster, but they're also always a little bit more expensive. Now, I don't think the price difference is that big of a deal because it's like 50 bucks. And like when you're talking about a $2,000 workstation, what's 50 bucks? Sure. So I, I think for like Photoshop, it's pretty much, yeah, you're, you're going to probably use Ryzen if you really care about every little bit of performance. Um, but it's probably not big enough that you're really going to notice a difference in the real world. Uh, and then the um, that 11900K uh, down here, uh, that one, I'll do it that way. I'm trying to use a new tool. It's not working very well. Uh, it, it is a little bit faster than the 11700K. But yeah, like Kelly was saying before, like for the price difference, it's just not really worth it. If you've got that budget, you're going to go up to, you know, I don't know, one of these AMD Ryzen's. But really like, 
when you get up here, all, all of the AMD Ryzen's, you know, the 5800X, 5900X, 5950X, they all perform about the same because it's all about single threaded performance. So you just get the 5800X. If you want the best performance in Photoshop, you get 5800X and, and you call it good. Um, second one I've, I've looked at is uh, Lightroom Classic and Lightroom Classic it's just not a good one for for Intel at all. Uh, there's some weird stuff that goes on in Lightroom that we've never gotten a like clarification of why. But um, a lot of like the passive tasks in in Lightroom, like uh, exporting, generating previews, the things that you like hit go and you wait and, until they're done, uh, it's just way better on on AMD. So that's why um, the uh, all, all of the Intel CPUs, like what, what's the comparisons here? Like the 11700K versus the 5800X. Like, yeah, you're going to go 5800X. Like yeah. there's just no reason you wouldn't. And that's mostly, again, because of the passive tasks. Um, let's see where am I here? Was that the was I showing the passive? I don't know, whatever. Mm -hmm. But the passive yeah. is like a a AMD is just way, way, way faster. The active things like when you're like, you know, sliders and scrolling between images, all those things were like you're, you're doing things really quickly and they happen in like less than a second. There's really not that big of a difference between any CPU, like the difference between a score of 89 and a score of 86. Like, who cares? You're not. So something happens in 0.16 seconds instead of 0.18. Like, you're, you're not right. going to notice. Um, so it's really Lightroom Classic. You're, you're, you're just AMD is so much stronger. So that's really, yeah, Photoshop and Lightroom. It's a bigger difference in Lightroom, but AMD is just the better choice for most photo work right now. And that's just that's just what it is. And I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Because, again, the Lightroom stuff especially, it's just such favors AMD like Intel has to increase by 50% to catch up to to AMD. So it, it's something to do with I think it was something to do with AVX2. I forget who some, someone did like a big analysis into it and they they sort of they, they ended up thinking that it was something to do with AVX. So it might be like one of those things that like Don was talking about before, like using the, you know, the different libraries. Lightroom might be using a library that's better optimized for AMD than Intel or something weird like that. Well, interesting. Don't know. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? That's the hard part with not open source software. You don't know what's going on under the hood. <laughs> we can yeah. tell you what the result is, but we can't really tell you the the why. So. Yeah. Next quest will be to get a, an Adobe Lightroom developer onto the show so we can find, sure we find could. out. I'm sure we could. Uh, the Lightroom is just kind of tough because you've got the Lightroom Classic team and the Lightroom CC team, and like they're doing different things. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. Hmm. Uh, so After Effects is another one. Um, this one's interesting in it in a different way. Uh, so looking at those results, so overall performance in After Effects um, today, because uh, there's some changes, I'll talk about that in, in a second here. Um, it's actually not not too too bad for Intel. It's it, they're behind. Um, so like the the 11600K versus the 5600X, like yeah, AMD's. Way, way ahead or the 11700k versus the 5800x like yeah a amd has a lead but when we go in and we look at like the actual individual results so like ram preview like hitting play um it's actually a lot more in line so like the the 11700k is almost identical to the 5800x same with the 11600k and the 5600x like 
it's basically the same. So in that case, like Intel, AMD, it really doesn't matter. Uh, the different budget ranges, they're about the same. Where AMD takes a big lead is if you do any tracking. And there, like, uh, you basically see that AMD is all at the top. Wow. <laughs> and then Intel's all at the bottom. I've lost my mouse. Um, <laughs> Intel's all at the bottom. There we go. So it's AMD is way stronger for the tra- tracking tasks. Uh, so that's kind of similar to the Lightroom thing. It's probably something something under the hood just favors AMD for, for whatever reason. So kind of the, the track I'm taking for After Effects in, in particular is today, if you do a lot of tracking, so like if you're a VFX person and you're, you're working with footage and you're having to do tracking, you probably go with AMD. If you're like motion graphics and you never really do tracking, like who cares about tracking for you, then it really doesn't matter. You can go either way. I know there's some people who prefer Intel um, because they they believe it's it's more reliable um, or, you know, or, or whatever. Um, and you could absolutely do that and there's no problem. The thing that's really tough with After Effects is it's about to completely change. So everything I talked about is probably not going to be valid in a couple of months. Yeah, they're, they're doing a new feature called multi-frame rendering. So right now, mm-hmm. After Effects, like frame one, it renders it and displays it. Frame two, renders it, displays it. What multi-frame rendering will do is it's going to let it do like multiple frames at the same time. So yeah, it might do all of these ones and it'll display frame one and then frame two and then frame three while it's like moving ahead. And that's going to allow for higher core count CPUs to make a much bigger impact in After Effects. Um, it's very early in beta right now. Like you can actually try it if you want to download the public beta. Uh, there's still a lot of work they want to do. Actually, the uh, stream last week, mm-hmm. we had uh, Sean Jenkins, uh, one of the uh, After Effects developers on, and we talked about it for you know, an hour. It was great, great one if you want to look back at the old stream for an After Effects user. Uh, but it's going to show, I, I don't know exactly what's going to do. Like we don't know, but my guess is it's going to put AMD in a lead again, just because of the higher core counts that they have available. Now, if you only have the budget for like a six or eight core CPU, my bet is going to be, again, almost exactly the same between Intel and AMD. So whatever, you can go either way. But Ryzen has that, you know, the extra CPUs, the 5900X and the 5950X at the even higher end that you could always upgrade to or whatever. So we won't probably have this flat at the top. It should continue going up. Um, The other two I, I was... Looking at uh, Premiere Pro, um, Premiere Pro, it's it's kind of similar. Where like, you know, if, if you have the budget only for a you know an eight core CPU, the eleven seven hundred K and the fifty eight hundred X, basically the same. The uh, the eleven six hundred K and the fifty six hundred X, again, basically the same. So up to a budget level, um, you can go either way, which actually puts Intel uh, as a stronger option. Um, at Intel has um, QuickSync uh, on these CPUs. That isn't as important today because you can use GPU now for decoding of H- for an H- and HVC media. But um, being able to use QuickSync instead lets you actually eke out a little bit more performance than we show in our in our testing because you can do something like use media encoder and have media encoder not use the GPU for decoding, but use QuickSync for decoding and the GPU for encoding. And that lets you get an extra 10 or 15% performance. So there's, there is some benefit there. There's also um, some uh, 
flavors of H.264 and HVC that you can only decode using QuickSync. I think 422, I think, might only be QuickSync. We, we haven't really delved into that quite yet. So basically, at those price ranges, I would actually lean towards Intel. Um, it's only once you get up to the um, you know th these guys up here, if you've got a little, little bit more budget, which really the 5900X, um, I mean, you would never not get that over the 11900K because the 11900K is just like... Like it ended up scoring a tiny bit slower than the 11700K, really just margin of error. So it's basically the same thing. So budget systems, like budget editing systems, I would actually say 11th gen is the stronger option um, than, than Ryzen. But once you get up to the certain price range, now Ryzen is probably going to take over it. Uh, the last one I was looking at, uh, DaVinci Resolve. Um, I don't even know if I really have to say anything in here. It's basically the exact same thing as Premiere. Um, with DaVinci Resolve, the GPU makes a much bigger deal once you're talking about um, people running into performance issues because they're starting to use um, a lot of the effects in DaVinci Resolve use the GPU a lot more heavily. The uh, like noise reduction, which there's kind of an implementation native in Premiere Pro, but not really. Uh, but there is an individual resolve and that's always a big deal. So um, like DaVinci Resolve, it, again, it's basically the same thing. You can go with Intel if you are on a budget and I probably would because then you get the benefits of being able to utilize QuickSync in addition to the GPU decoding. But once you get up to, um, again, the, this upper band, yeah, that's really probably where you would move over to Ryzen. And then you can always go above that. Like all of this testing, we didn't include Threadripper because like it's such a much higher price bracket than the 11th gen. Uh, but most of these ones uh, like, well, Premiere Pro and uh, DaVinci Resolve and After Effects too, uh, you could go up to Threadripper and it'd get you even more performance than what we were showing in here today. So th that's all mine. Like basically for photo stuff, eh, Ryzen's probably better across the board. For video stuff uh, at the i5 and i7 range, um, Intel, I would say, is actually probably a little bit stronger. But once you get up to the i9 and above range, uh, you'd probably switch over to AMD. Oh, right try on. to go through that fast so we don't run out of time because I'm not sure we got more to talk about. A, yeah, we do have a few a few questions. Um, there was one uh, Ruru2 on Twitch asks, does Ryzen have more PCIe 4 lanes? They're very close. A Ryzen 5000 series anyway, the one that added PCIe 4, mm -hmm. um, is 24 lanes from the CPU. But I don't remember... I know on some of the higher end stuff like Threadripper, it uses some of those lanes to communicate with the chipset. So I don't know if all 24 lanes are directly accessible to other devices. And then uh, Intel 11th gen is 20 lanes, which usually ends up being 16 for the GPU and four for an M.2 drive. Um, so that very comparable, at least. Hmm. Didn't 11th gen add four extra lanes from the CPU? Um, something about that over 10th gen you mean it, yeah maybe that's why i, I like right. that's why if you put a 10th gen cpu into some of the 590 motherboards you'd lose one of the m.2 slots yeah oh that would make sense it could be um it's, i'm not so sure weird. compared to 10th gen i i had seen that question and just pulled up the the comparison to ryzen it, it's always difficult to compare pci lanes because Intel and AMD seem to count them differently. 
Like they'll say we have this many lanes, but then like, oh, but these lanes are only for this, like only for this M.2 or we have this many PCIe lanes, but some of them are dedicated to USB. Like, Well, and different motherboard oh. manufacturers allocate them differently too. So yeah. like, sometimes it even comes down to the it's board. It's a little difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And you get them from the CPU and from the chipset. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Weird. Yeah. So in other words, everyone should just move to uh, Threadripper Pro, where there's like 128 lanes, and you'll never yeah. use all of them. Yeah. Eight channel memory too. There you go. Uh, there's also all we comment. sell now. There's all Threadripper. Uh, there's also a comment on YouTube from Demons of Resgris. Uh, he says, "Picked up a 5800X and scored 3650 to 3700 in single core pass mark. Just turning on the auto PBO thing it has. Do any of the benchmarks account for PBO enabled?" That's, I don't believe we have that enabled by default. That's precision boost overdrive, which is kind of an automatic overclocking. And that there are similar features on a lot of other, like in a lot of uh, motherboards for Intel chipsets will have something similar cooked up by the motherboard manufacturer. But no, in general, we tend to just run as close to the stock speeds as we can, which gets a little tricky, especially on the Intel side, because Hmm. in addition to the normal, like just having like normal turbo boost and all that stuff on, there are power related settings and time related settings. And depending on the motherboard and what, what they default to some boards run at the full turbo boost all the time. Some run at the full turbo boost for the correct Intel specified length of time and then clock down. So you'll see weird things like short tests will look artificially high because they never hit that time limit where it clocks down. It's just a mess um, mm. on the Intel side. Sorry. There was, there was some... There was some... True. Uh, I hesitate to use a, a, a poor choice of words, but there was some kerfuffle around that, as, as I recall, in the last year or so. I think gamers uh, there was back and forth. There was a I few. Think the last generation. Yeah, it was. It was. It was uh, yeah, it was multi-core enhancement MCE. Mm. Um, there was a big old thing about that because uh, that and that what that lets it do is so normally if you have one core that's running, it'll run up to a certain frequency, and the more cores that are loaded, the lower the frequency goes. And what multi-core enhancement enabled was all of the cores always run at the top frequency all the time, no matter how many are loaded. And the big issue was motherboard manufacturers were weren't consistent between what auto meant or what default meant. Some yeah. meant that it was off, some meant that it was on. And so there's a big issue for a while where reviewers didn't realize it. And so you would get one reviewer, get one result, like they would run Cinebench and they get one result. Another reviewer would run Cinebench and it'd be like 15% different. And so like there's all the issues of what's doing what. And ah, it's, it, it was such a pain for a long time. And this feels like it's just kind of a it's an extension onto that. Now it's not just one setting. Now there's. Yeah, power limits and power times and mm-hmm. all this and all that. And I just want it all to go away. Just run it whatever thing Intel says you should run it at, please. Man, is the, I wonder if this is a case of like the the marketers kind of steering the ship. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we, it, well, we have be. we have so bigger numbers Intel, than everybody else. Intel know. has these guidelines of like this is what it should be. They just don't enforce them in any way. Yeah. So they allow the motherboard manufacturers just do what you want, but this is what we say you should do. Mm, yeah. And so then when it comes to someone building a computer, they don't know what they're actually 
what the settings are in our computer because it defaults to different things at different motherboards. Oh wow! Yeah, I, I feel like it's it's two things. One, right now Intel because they're behind, they're trying to do everything they can to eke out any more performance to make mm-hmm. their their products competitive. Um, and two, the like the MCE stuff and a lot of these like defaults, those are set by the motherboard manufacturers, and it's them trying to make their product look better mm-hmm. than competitors. Like if someone's reading up reviews and they see that this, I'm just going to make a, I, I don't know who does what. This Azus board is 5% faster than this Gigabyte board. They're going to be like, well, yeah, great. I'll get that Azus board. It's faster without realizing that it's only faster because of the default settings. Like you can get identical performance out of both of those boards. Mm, it's yeah. just the default is more aggressive. Huh. Weird. But yep. also who reviews motherboard speeds? Like, does anyone have a review out there comparing like the performance of motherboards? You know what? Well, I bet Gamers Nexus does. Those guys somebody are. must well, yeah, do that's they? the say the problem when um there's a new chipset launch is that <sighs> reviewers, even us, are very limited into what motherboards we have access to to <laughs> do the testing. So like we might get one motherboard. And we can't compare to know if like what is this one defaulting to something weird or not? Like we yeah. don't know, which is what it is. And what and changes changes. Yeah. Like yeah. we we had to do our testing on Z490 because we literally didn't have any Z590 boards in hand before launch. Uh so we were testing on Z490 and and we had the CPU samples around for a while, but early BIOS revisions that added initially added support before way before launch, we had problems where it was only detecting half the RAM when you had an 11th gen CPU in versus a 10th gen. So we had to wait for multiple motherboard BIOS revisions before we finally hit one where everything worked right. And so you can run the same thing with your like pre-launch reviews of just a BIOS version that's not fully baked yet can change performance. And it's... Mm -hmm. Crazy. A lot of weird stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons why, I mean, we're a little unique in most of the testing we do. If you see an article, almost always it's fresh testing. We, we very rarely recycle results. Uh, we did a little bit when there was like the rolling launches of the NVIDIA card, video cards. Yeah. It was like, like six months ago because like, yeah, GPU launched one week and then two weeks later, there's another one. Like, yeah, we're not going to redo everything for two weeks. But normally our articles, we redo all of our testing every time. And that's because things change enough. Um, well, and we actually have the resources for that. Like someone like, I don't know, a lot of like the other reviewers, they recycle results because they're like one guy doing stuff or two people and they actually physically have to swap out stuff. We have the resources where we actually have, you know, a dozen test beds, each with an individual CPU. So we just hit go and it does it all for us. And it was slightly risky on the NVIDIA when the rolling launches because every single GPU launch had a new driver to support that. So it's like, did they they squeak something else in here that we don't know about? But like, yeah, I don't want to spend three days rerunning all of my benchmarks. And yeah, but yeah. normally we don't recycle results. And it's yeah. exactly because of things like this. You never know when things are going to change between launch and the next time. So I don't know when we're going to redo any of these 11th gen testing. Probably I'm sure there'll be a rise and refresh, but the testing will be new on that one. Because I've seen people say like sometimes like, whether it's AMD fans or Intel fans, sometimes you see, well, that's just pre-launch or it's just launch. Of course, it's going to get better. But it's like, that's what everyone always says. And oftentimes it doesn't change like at all. Yeah. But sometimes it does. And that's why we revamp our testing every single time. 
Yeah. We had a, a comment earlier uh, that I wanted to hit here at the end. Carlos de Bernard on Facebook, he says, a question, and this is my own experience here. I have a Z490 and Z590. The 10850K reacts different. It's, co- it's uh, colder on the Z490 and hotter on the Z590. And he comments, I'll try harder to get the new. That's interesting. I, just off the top of my head, my guess is there's so many factors that like some of the stuff we just talked about, what is the BIOS on each of those boards defaulting to for voltage, turbo settings, length of turbo, not just that though. Also, what is it defaulting to for CPU fan behavior? If one of them is running the cooling fan on the CPU 200 uh, RPMs higher than the other, then yeah, it's going to be cooler. So you would literally have to go through every setting on the boards and make sure every single thing was as identical as you could get it in order to then go, yeah, one, it's running hotter on one than the other. And maybe there's a difference like that, but also CPU temps, unless it's too hot, doesn't really matter. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's always a problem we've had with like temperature monitoring um, because yeah, temperature almost is meaningless unless the cooling is consistent, like you're saying. So if you really want to know for sure, I'd say the two things to look at is get like a, a power meter from the wall and see if the power draw from the wall is actually different. But even that could be different. Uh, but also turn off any, you know, fan ramping. Just have it run at 100 percent. And that way, at least you're taking fan ramping out of the equation, because, yeah, yeah we see that all the time. Like, oh, this GPU is running four degrees hotter. Yeah, but it's also running at like half the RPM on the fan. So like it's just different profiles for fan curves can often. Mm -hmm. But my bet actually is that it's the uh, the power limiting stuff that we were talking about. It's probably just defaulting differently on that board. And some of that stuff is like hidden. It's hard to find. Mm. Yes. NPR1999 on Twitch asks, did this new CPU fix all of Intel's issues with processor security flaws? I I don't know. I haven't heard anything about like security things for quite a while, actually. Now it was my understanding. Presumably fixed anything that they knew was broken three or four years ago when they started developing this. Yeah, (laughs) it was was a long life cycle or a development cycle, I should say, on these things. So I have no idea. Yeah, Uh, honestly, that's really not a concern for. Like, I've always thought this, and I, maybe I'm missing something, but on a desktop workstation, that's not really a concern. If someone has, most of those things required, like, Physical. someone to be physically there running stuff on your system or, or like, on a VM on the same system. And if someone's compromised your system enough that they're running their code on your system or mm-hmm. they've got a VM running alongside it, you got bigger problems. Most of this yeah. was cloud issues where yeah on the same piece of hardware somebody else is running a vm with their own software on the same piece that you're renting out in the cloud Mm -hmm. and they could somehow access some stuff you were doing Mm -hmm. this is a consumer chip for like high-end consumer and low-end workstation stuff it's not really a concern yeah i remember when i was taking uh a network security uh, class like in, in college. And the saying was basically, if someone has physical access, it doesn't matter what you do. Mm-hmm. Like you can make your server as secure as you possibly want, but if they have physical access, it doesn't matter. Yeah, And it's the same thing with computers and desktops and everything. Yeah, it's, it's a concern like, you know, like uh, what William said on, you know, the hyperscalers, the cloud 
services and stuff like that. Uh, AMD just got hit. They just issued a uh, uh, disabled notice for uh, to mitigate a, uh, uh, a vulnerability, a similar kind of thing. Um, uh, uh, I think on Zen th- on Zen three cores, um, it's a uh, uh, they have uh, you know they they do crazy things to try to get better performance. Everybody does, and w- one of the things they do is like pre execution. Oh. So when when you've got like branching and stuff like that, they try to to execute some of the code like ahead of time before it's used, and then they just throw stuff out if it's if it's uh, not needed. Hmm. Um, it's like prefetching, only it's it's a little actual uh, like execution turned out to be a uh, like a one of those kind of cross uh, vulnerabilities in there too. Same kind of deal, um, but that so they've recommended uh, turning that off. I, I just saw that today. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people think that Intel is the only one with these problems. But it's not like they, they tend to get the bigger like press things because like they're the bigger company. People like bashing on the bigger companies and like, yeah, sure, whatever. But AMD has the same problems. Yeah. It's just not as advertised as bigly. Yeah. And I don't think there's been quite as few as of ones that actually affected performance like the Spelter, Spectre and Meltdown stuff years yeah, and years ago. If you're a hacker, you're going to go after the stuff that's being used more. It's more return on investment. Mm-hmm. Right. Which are. Honestly, people talk about Macs being more secure, and maybe there's hardware stuff that is, but also there's such a small percentage of the overall market that it's easier to target the bigger fish, and you're going to make more off of it if you find an exploit. Mm -hmm. Also, if you are really trying to, like, you know, make money and cause problems, whatever, you're going to go after people. Like, oh sure, th- yeah. that's why I like phishing yeah. scams are so phishing wildly scams. successful. Is because people yeah. are dumb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of easier ways to to uh, compromise systems. Yeah. yeah. Well, all right. That does bring us just a little bit over our hour. So uh, I think we'll we'll wrap it up here. Is there anything else you guys would want to mention or talk about before we go? No, I mean we'll we'll, we'll be listing eleventh gen pretty soon. I think we still have a little bit of stock of the tenth gen stuff, and since it's not a major difference in most cases, I think we're running down our 10th gen first. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll start, we'll be listing it pretty soon in the cases where it does make sense. I mean, we're very much about listing products only where it's actually useful. Right. So we're not going to be moving our Lightroom or, or Unreal systems to it probably, but, or our rendering systems. But mm-hmm. like a lot of the video stuff, especially the the entry level stuff. Yeah, stuff where single credit performance is the, is the bigger deal. Or where QuickSync can actually help you. Yeah. QuickSync really feels to me like it's the one benefit that like Intel, like the, the firm benefit Intel has right now over AMD is QuickSync. But that only helps you if it helps you. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, all right. Well, then we'll uh, we'll say goodbye. Thank you guys for taking the time out of your day to join us today. I appreciate it. It's always fun to, to get a, a quick wrap up of everything because um, uh, talking with you guys gives at least me and I think the audience a, a nice deeper look behind more than just the data from the articles. Mm-hmm. So I, I appreciate it. And uh, I'd also like to thank the audience as well for joining us today. Uh, we do this every Friday now. Um, we have quite the potpourri, the, the eclectic mix of content these days. Um, the normal labs experts, our internal experts are spread out throughout the week. And we've also included um, consulting and support in on our rotation as well. So um, stay tuned, you know, mark your calendars every Friday, 1 p.m. Pacific and uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Bye. See y'all.